Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of Lohai Trips. Today, we have a very special guest with us. Um, this has been uh, quite a few months or even years in the making. We've been talking about this for quite some time, but we finally had the time to put it to practice. Uh, so welcome to the podcast, Mac. Hello. <laughs> How are y'all doing? Good, good. Uh, I'm, I'm, you know... So, uh, oh, can you remind me, Mac, uh, you know, just to introduce yourself a little bit, like, what are you currently doing? I'm currently existing. I'm doing a bit too much, to be quite honest. So if I had to say what I'm doing really briefly, um, I'm currently studying a PhD full-time um, at the University of Melbourne, uh, mainly in the area of psychiatry. Um, but I'm also working part-time as a lecturer at the University of Melbourne. Um, also in sort of a psychiatry-related field, youth mental health. Hectic. Sounds like, um, honestly speaking, no surprise, because I feel like my impression of you, or sort of like the idea of Mac in my head, is always someone who's very ambitious, someone who's uh, have definitely more than one thing on a plate. Yeah, and I kind of like it that way. Um, I think I'd be pretty sad if I was living an Id idle life. Mm. Um, but at this point of time, I would say I'm doing a little bit too much. And I'm really looking forward to the time when I can either go to doing my PhD part-time or completing it and maybe just sticking to one thing for a period of time so that I can just kind of decompress after all of this is done. Fair enough. Uh, wait, sorry, my apologies. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to quickly amend something on the mic mm -hmm. and we're back um yes sorry about that mac um okay so clinical neuropsych i understand that you completed a master's degree in that specific field can you share a little bit regarding it yeah sure so i think um it's kind of helpful to know the context of how i got into that really so I come from a background of studying psychology um, as my undergraduate degree, and I completed that back in Malaysia. Um, and then what I really wanted to do post-undergraduate degree was go into a clinical-related field. Um, I had initially applied to a few clinical psychology programs back in Malaysia as well as in uh, Australia. And I stumbled across clinical neuropsychology, and at the point of time, um, that I had first graduated from my undergrad degree. I had no idea what neuropsychology even was. Mm. Um, and to be honest, I'd had no, I'd only had the faintest idea um, just before attending the interviews for that program. So what had happened was I had just applied for clinical psychology programs and then I saw this and I was like, you know what? Why not take the shot? It was a clinical program. It was psychology related. And from my understanding at that point of time, um, I could also go on to work as a general psychologist um, with this degree. So I thought, hey, if I didn't want to do the neuro stuff in the long term, I could still do that, like general psychology stuff. And so I applied for that and I got an interview for <laughs> clinical neuropsych and nothing else in Australia um, at that point of time. And I was still going on this YOLO bend and being like, you know what, let me just do the interview as well. Might as well. Yeah, might as well. And then I attended interview um, and got into the program. Um, so in 2018, I came to Melbourne and started a master's of clinical neuropsychology at the University of Melbourne. Very nice. Yeah. Clinical neuropsych. Let's just say um, you have to explain this field in layman terms. Mm. How would you put it? How is it different from a psychology degree? 
That's a great question. So I think psychology as a field is already very uh, heterogeneous and there's many different things you can do with a psychology degree. Um, but what makes neuropsychology stand out from the rest, I suppose, is that while it is a clinical program, um, the kind of clinical roles that largely people with a neuropsych degree come out doing is a lot of assessments of um, cognition, which is your thinking skills, um, things like attention and memory and language and things like that, um, as well as assessing how we can support individuals with some form of cognitive impairment or um, some kind of intellectual disability and how we can support them to live a fulfilling life by implementing supports for any um, impairments that they may have. Um, you generally see neuropsychologists working in diagnostic capacities, um, for example, diagnosing things like traumatic brain injuries and so on and so forth. But we also see them in rehabilitation centers. So for example, working with people who may have had a stroke or something like that and suffer some form of impairment due to the stroke, how can we put together supports to you know, just support them with day-to-day -day activities that may, they may struggle with. Mm. And, you know, just based on the things that you shared and from my understanding as well, um, is that at the moment right now, you're not doing something 100% related to clinical neuropsych, yeah? Yeah, that's right. And I'm just wondering if you would ever be going back to this pathway where you work in, let's, let's just say like a full-time job or even a part-time job, right? Or, or whatever, sole trader, anything at all related to clinical neuropsychology because it is a very would you say it's a niche field it is a very niche field and i'm definitely not ruling out returning to work in a clinical neuropsychology capacity um that being said i think based on the story that i've kind of talked through at the beginning um i came into the clinical world really with an interest in mental health and initially wanting to do clinical psychology. And I still have this keen interest in mental health and mental ill health as well. And that's kind of the field that I'm slowly pursuing more and more. So with my PhD, as well as with my um, lecturing role, I'm kind of working in this field of youth mental health. And um, I would be keen to actually go back to do a bridging year, whereby I study an additional year of clinical psychology specifically and come out as a clinical psych registrar and kind of pursue this line of work. Um, that's not to say that the neuropsychology degree was not helpful. Um, I think it was actually very much necessary and imperative to support me in what I'm doing today with this um, really good understanding of cognition specifically, as well as understanding of neural systems in the brain mm. and just, you know, just a better understanding of the brain as a whole um, is an amazing foundation that I wouldn't have gotten from any other degree. And um, I don't think I'd give that part up as well. So maybe I'll work in assessment capacities in mental health settings or something like that. Mm. Now, that's a very good answer because in, in my personal opinion, I just feel like any knowledge that you obtain or attain throughout the years are never wasted. Like it could be completely unrelated or irrelevant. There's always transferable skills or transferable knowledge in this case, right? And yeah, I feel, I feel the same as well. Um, I guess the reason why I'm asking you is because perhaps I can somewhat relate to your current position. Um, like obviously, as you know, I did complete my master's degree in counseling slash psychotherapy. However, at the moment, um, I'm working in disability care. 
Um, I'm not working in a counseling or a psychotherapy role. However, I do know that in the medium to long-term future, that is definitely a pathway that I'm working towards. Like, I'll go back to it. But to me, it's just like, yeah, time is my ally, especially in this field. I feel like with more life experience, with more knowledge, with more understanding of the systems around us, of the different cultural settings around us, ethnicity, backgrounds, just everything else, you know? Mm. Basically, just life experience in general. Like, it would definitely help your practice. So, mm. Yeah, absolutely. Like, even if I go back to clinical work um, after I'm done with the PhD, um, a lot of what I'm doing as part of my research roles um, is directly related to clinical care. For example, um, I'm specifically looking at um, treatment response to antipsychotic medications and in the process, obviously, learning a lot about psychotic disorders. And um, there's a there's a huge need, I think, for clinicians practicing in the field of psychosis, especially in that of early psychosis centers. And with that background understanding, I think it'll be so helpful if I decided to work with these populations in the future. Mm. You didn't mention antipsychotic medications, is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just, just, just a bit curious, all right? Like, what are your thoughts on it? Okay, let's just split the population to like just two groups, which is obviously not accurate, but let's just say there's one population or sample size that believe in antipsychotic medications and the other one that believe that it's sort of like a crutch. Like, you know, it's sort of like... Um, an example would be like you break your ankle, right? Mm. So instead of going to like physiotherapy uh, straight up to go to a full recovery, uh, instead you, you manage those symptoms by... Yeah, by having that physical crutch, which a lot of people use it as like a metaphor, analogy to the medications, right? Mm. So like, I just want to understand, like, what are, what are your thoughts on this? Like, do you have a stance when it comes to this or? I think that antipsychotic medications should not be the only thing that uh, a person who is experiencing psychosis is provided in the medical profession or in the health professions, I should say, because there's a lot of valuable allied health professions that are involved in the care for individuals with psychosis, uh, and I don't want to medicalize the condition at all. Um, That being said, um, antipsychotic medications are proven to be really helpful in reducing some of the really distressing symptoms associated with psychosis. For example, things like hallucinations and delusions, where people see things that other people can't see or hear things that other people can't hear. And the way I see it is that you could, you could provide all the psychotherapy and social supports in the world, but if a, if a person is so distressed by hallucinations and delusions that they're unable to take in these social supports, then you know they're not the social supports that you're putting in and investing in are not necessarily um, providing the full potential that they can provide for. So both are necessary to encourage functional recovery in individuals with psychosis. Yeah. No, I mean, in all honesty, I'm sort of like in the same position as you. Like, I, I do share that same opinion as well. Um, I guess I, I just wanted to understand where you're coming from. Thank you for sharing your knowledge. I feel like <laughs> the entire time I'm just putting you on the spot. Like, <laughs> what's the definition of this? <laughs> Can you give me, cite a journal that back you up? But I guess I just want to backtrack a little bit because I do understand that um, at the start of the podcast, uh, you mentioned that, you know, you're currently pursuing quite a few things, right? About mm. two, three, four different things. And sounds like you're on the verge, uh, I wouldn't say burnout, but, you know, mm. symptoms of burnout might not be too uncommon mm. of a thing that you're experiencing considering 
uh, the situation that you're in. So I'm just curious, like, what is self-care to you? Ooh, that's a really good question. So I think what I've kind of established for myself as part of self-care is to really try and limit as much as possible my work to the weekdays, so Mondays to Fridays. And yes, sometimes I go beyond the usual nine to five on these days. Um, but that's just part and parcel, I think, of doing a full-time study program as well as working on the side. And yeah, having that balance with actually having a social life on the weekend and um, going out, doing things, experiencing the world, and most importantly, just resting, I think is really important to me. So yeah, mm. just coming here today, doing this podcast, dedicating a, su- a Sunday afternoon to catch up with a friend that I haven't seen in a long time. That's really important to me. Mm. Interesting. How are you feeling though? Just like to check in on you at a moment, like with this uh, podcast episode that we're currently doing. Oh yeah, it's pretty chill. It's the first time I'm doing a podcast. So I'm kind of like, ah, oh, don't trip over my words. <laughs> um, but yeah, otherwise I think I'm, it's pretty It's pretty novel and pretty exciting. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. And, and I think like at the moment you're, I mean, I, I don't see podcasts as sort of like a performance, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But if I have to rate you, you're performing really well right now. Oh, thank and, you. And you're definitely not stumbling upon your words. You're very articulated. And I feel like um, one thing that I do, really do admire about you is that the way you express or, or the way you translate your thoughts into words, they are very uh, structured and uh, comprehensive. Is that the word? Comprehensible. I can't think of the word. Yeah, I mean, both those words work, I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you. So you owe me some gold stars um, after this. I am. I think, honestly, a lot of what's kind of helping with the process is that I've been doing teaching for a very long time. So in teaching, you just learn how to talk about things in layman terms, as well as where to put pauses so it doesn't appear that you're actually taking too long of a pause. Mm. So that people, so basically conveying some form of authority and confidence when you actually may not necessarily be like super confident in what you're saying interesting it's all about delivery okay yeah mm. i definitely need to take some some tips and tips <laughs> from you because i think yeah uh, when it comes to i think communication or even like the way i translate my thoughts into words is something that i'm currently practicing on a daily basis i mean i'm not like you know after work i'm just like practicing how to talk mm. but uh like I, I think as you know as well one of the reasons why i started this podcast is so that i can build I wouldn't say that self-confidence, but that acceptance, knowing that I may stumble upon my words, um, that my delivery might not be the best, but through practice, you'll get better. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So yeah, I think um, I think we've talked about it before as well, that uh, COVID did take a significant impact on the both of us, uh, especially when it comes to socially. But I think like, you know, with COVID at the moment, it's, it's like beating the dead horse, hmm. right? It's like, it's over. I mean, it's not over. <laughs> it's not over, but in a sense that Everything that can be talked about, I'm pretty sure has been talked about. But you mentioned uh, I need to give you some gold stars, <laughs> <laughs> like like a reward, and yeah. that immediately just like linked me to something that we were talking about before the podcast, which is rewards program by Woolies. Wolves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, all right, just right before we jump into the topic of Woolworths, right? <laughs> I can see that it's raining outside. Let me just go keep my <laughs> laundry. Yeah, yeah, go do that. <laughs> Oh my god. One sec. That's today's fresh food people. 
And we're back for the second time, right? <laughs> yeah. You could use that pause to play like the Woolies Rewards theme song. Okay. You know, dun, 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 dun. What if they sue me, man? I don't know. We just like make a mushed I'll up version. Yeah. I'll do it. I'll do it. Okay. All right. I'll, I'll put the... um. What? They have, a, they have a song for their rewards program? You know when they have that catchphrase, the fresh food people? Yeah. And then it just goes like, Woolies, the fresh food people. All right. Yeah, that, that one. Okay, okay. I'll put it right before we continue this, uh, this section, the mm. third part. All right. So yes, uh, the floor is all yours. Go for it. Oh, what do I even say? I this don't know. You were saying something about the rewards program? Uh, or Yeah. Um, yep. To Woolies. everybody in the uh, audience, this is not a paid ad. I'm not sponsored by Woolies or anything like that. It's just... But if you want to sponsor us, uh, <laughs> just, you know, hit me up. Yeah, hit me up, Woolies. You know how to get me. Just contact the creator of this podcast and uh, we can set something up. <laughs> nah, but... Um, Aaron and I got to talking about the rewards program because we were talking about adult money yeah. and just how to be like a responsible spender because now that we're both in positions where we're earning incomes that are disposable in the sense that we can buy things that we enjoy as opposed to things that just keep us alive, we're working out the best ways to actually spend those funds. Um, so that kind of brought us to talking about woolies and like how do you organize your grocery shop and things like that. And um, I was just sharing, I guess, what I do is I tend to um, go through the Woolies app (laughs) and see what's currently on special and add those to my cart first and then plan the rest of my meals in the week around the ingredients that are currently on special. Mm. So that way I know I'm getting at least one or two of the key ingredients for a meal on a really good deal and then um, building up around that. So my snacks cereals things like that are always bought on at least 40 percent discount nice yeah um, and making those savings and then i guess with the rewards program boosting up all those offers yeah getting those bonus points up and then you know i buy groceries for just one person sometimes two um and somehow even just buying groceries for one or two people with those bonus points i've somehow racked up like 160 dollars worth of um what yeah so you so know you've claimed 16 times the $10 voucher yeah. thingy. 16 yep. times. Yeah, yeah. In a single year. Yo. So like I've got a hundred... In a single year? In a single year. So like I've got $160 to spend now for Christmas and um, I don't... What? Yeah. <laughs> so just make use of those offers, man. No, I'm genuinely shocked. I'm genuinely shocked because I cook at home a lot. You know, like five times a week. Five times a week. And Woolies is my go-to... Uh, grocery bullies over calls right yeah <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is that i don't think i've claimed like 16 times in my entire time in australia mm. and the fact that i do groceries so often what do you buy oh like food <laughs> <laughs> i mean honestly there's um no recipe to it it's kind of like when you buy certain things over and over woolies will reward that yeah by giving you bonus points for those items and then i just buy things when they happen to be either on sale or when they happen to have bonus points attached. Mm. And yeah, sometimes they have like little deals where they're like, collect 10 times points on deli products. Yeah. And then, you know, just doing those little things. Frozen products, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm. That's it. And then somehow I managed to get at least 4,000 points a month or whatever it is. And Damn. here we are. Look at you, man, a baller. <laughs> if Woolies goes down, we know who to blame. <laughs> but yeah i I feel like um i'm so fixated and so obsessed to the point where uh casey did mention one time like you know on monday at 6 p.m or 5 p.m woolies would release the sneak peek for their catalog 
that starts on Wednesday. So like two days in advance. Mm. And I'll always count down to the point like it's like, I can't recall, is it six or five? I actually don't know. Okay, whatever. Yeah. Let's just say it's six, all right? And by the time it hits six, and I'll immediately just like open, uh, I turn on my phone, just like I'm catching up on a series or something. Mm. That's why Mondays are always very enjoyable for me because I get to plan on what I can buy for the next week. I like how this is what brings you enjoyment. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Yeah. I genuinely enjoy um, getting good value for money. Oh yeah, same here. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I think I've said it before where, I don't know, just purchasing something for, let's say like $10 knowing that it's worth 20 the food will taste better 100 percent. oh yeah definitely yeah <laughs> the value mm-hmm. the value hits but um it's kind of sweet flavored <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> although i think like i haven't been purchasing as much um fresh vegetables and fruits from woolies though because i think i've been purchasing that from like fresh fruit market or mm. asian grocers yeah, I think it's that's the one. yeah, I think that's the way to go actually. Because if you think about it, the markups in prices on fresh fruit and vegetables at Woolies, Coles, I'm not discriminating here. Most supermarkets is really marked up. Um, but you know, um, especially with all the floods that have been happening in Australia and things like lettuce costing, I don't know what was it like. $14 a kilo like for lettuce oh my god yeah, yeah I, that one period of time crazy. yeah it was crazy so like yeah. I also don't tend to buy a lot of fresh fruit from supermarkets or okay. veggies yeah I buy canned vegetables instead mm. things I buy like frozen frozen yeah. yeah so frozen's great canned is also really good and then for the fresh fruit stuff sometimes I go to Queen Victoria markets mm. or when I really want to get fresh vegetables and i don't want to go anywhere else then it's asian grocery stores or woolies nice yeah mm. for those that have not sussed out like asian grocery centers please do there's a lot of like interesting products out there go and expand your worldview mm. you know don't just like narrow yourself to the choices that woolies coles and audi provides mm. like yeah the world's your oyster. Yeah. That being said, I have to say my Woolies. Shout out to Woolies North Melbourne. Still, if you want to sponsor me, let me know. <laughs> uh, they have an excellent Asian grocery selection. Ah. Um, I won't say it's comparable to an Asian grocery store because that would be a lie, an absolute lie. But they do tend to have a lot of the staples. So pretty good if you're run if you've run out of a particular sauce or something. Yeah. And I know like they've been sourcing like Old Town as well. I've been seeing like Old Town white coffee in Woolies and or even Coles mm. and that's honestly quite impressive mm. and you know like Malaysian pride and all that <laughs> like yeah, yo yeah. man how do we how do we get here <laughs> so good Crazy. so good yeah yeah okay I want to talk about something that you mentioned which is adult money so what's your definition of adult money um <laughs> money that you earn as an adult <laughs> yeah pretty much to be honest um I say that you've started Earning like an adult when you've actually got disposable income, I think. Like the way I kind of conceptualize it in my mind is you're no longer working to an allowance. Do you know what I mean? So kind Mm. of like sometimes people when they're studying, they've got like a job on the side and that kind of pays for like their food or their rent or, um, you know, just day-to-day basic living expenses. So... Mm. I've always kind of viewed that as, yeah, I've not reached adult money stage, even though I know that's a very privileged statement to make. And I'm sorry if that causes any hate, but I guess adult money is not having to 
ask people about the choices and what you spend on because you have mm. enough to actually spend on things that you want as opposed yeah. to things that you need. Yeah, full choice and control then. Yes, exactly. Mm. So when I say adult, it's not money you earn as an adult. It's the, the factors that surround that money. The fact that you can make your own informed decisions okay. and act responsibly on that. Yeah. And if it's not too much of a personal question, what has been the best purchase with your adult money so far? Oh, what would be the best purchase with my adult money? Yeah. I don't know. Um, I would say getting a cat was a great decision, even oh. though I wouldn't say I purchased my cat. Shut but- up, pussy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I spoil my cat. And, you know, like get insurance for him and things like that, which again is like a very privileged thing to have insurance for your pet. But like that's one, Percy's one thing that brings me so much joy and I want to preserve that. So that's what I choose to spend my money on. Mm. Okay, fair. Mm. And I'm curious as well, because like, look, I love cats. Um, find them adorable, find them cute. And could potentially think about adopting a cat in the in the future not not short-term future probably like long uh, medium term is there even such thing as a short-term future anyway i guess i'm just curious as well like what are the things that you did not expect in the maintenance of a cat does that make question make sense i feel like i'm stumbling upon my words um it, it's definitely a question that makes sense but i won't say that anything was quite unexpected Purely because I am one of those really hyper-anxious people who needs to know as much as they can about something before committing to it. So before I got Percy, I went on a huge hunt across the internet as to what having a cat means. What do I need to do to take care of my cat? How much is food? How much is insurance? What kind of toys would they enjoy? What kind of toys can I buy? What kind of um, costs are associated with registration and microchipping and things like that? So um, I had gone through the internet quite extensively to kind of figure out all those things. Um, And I guess the only thing that I hadn't actually looked at was grooming. (laughs) Like how much it costs to cut my cat's fur or trim it, I should say. Um, but again, I kind of plan for everything else. So, and grooming's not like something that happens like every month or so. So it's kind of like a one-time expense once or twice a year. And that's kind of manageable. Mm, Okay. It's not too financially taxing, you would say? Not too badly. Um, a full comb cut. If anyone's interested in knowing how much a full comb cut costs for a cat in Australia, it's uh, slightly over a hundred dollars and that's Mm. once a year. So. Okay. Not not the worst, not the worst. It's like. Less than $10 per month. Yeah, exactly. And if you get a short-haired cat, that's absolutely not necessary. True. Percy's just a massive fluff ball. Um, and I kind of feel bad for how much fur he has in summer. And that's why I'm doing it. Mm. Uh, that being said, I don't think it pops up anywhere as a must-do. Yeah, long-haired boy. Very long-haired. Very fluffy. Very adorable. Mm. Majestic looking. Yeah. The whole lot. Yeah, he's got, a, he's got chest hair that would make most uh, men very... Feel self-conscious. <laughs> <laughs> the manliest of them all. The manliest man of them see. all. <laughs> uh, it's very interesting because uh, I guess that's something that I can somewhat relate to as well. You know, you mentioned that before committing to a decision or before making a decision itself, you would fully research everything behind it, you know, to fully understand, to, to, to basically be an informed consumer, right? Mm. Yeah, and 
Okay, disclosure, we went for to Union Kiosk. So shout out Union Kiosk. You want to sponsor us? We're, you also know how to contact <laughs> us. <laughs> I'm going to tag them in this. Yeah. <laughs> Hope they listen to it. But anyway, yeah. Go check out Union Kiosk if you have not. They have uh, Jaffles, pretty good. Vegan. Fun fact, yeah, fully vegan. And um, yeah, go check it out. Just ask it out. Anyway, going back to the topic, I suggested Union Kiosk. And the moment you respond to me, it was like, oh yeah, the, men- the menu looks uh, red or something like that. Mm. And I was like, yep. I can completely relate because before making a visit anywhere, I would fully research like the menu, what I can order, how do I get there, how do I enter, everything else. What time does it close? So yeah, I can completely relate. Mm. Does that stem from the anxiety you mentioned? Yeah, I think so. I think anxiety plays a big role in that. But uh, I also think that I just kind of um, grew up in a very disciplined kind of upbringing where my house had a very predetermined set of rules and regulations and we always knew what was on schedule for the day and what we were doing when and you know just basically had to keep things in some form of order and I think just losing that order makes me get really anxious so it just kind of manifests completely naturally these days in me wanting to maintain a sense of order and control and yeah predictability to my life so not showing up at a restaurant and then being like, oh shit, I don't know what to order from the menu or, um, you know, like arriving 15 minutes late because I wasn't sure which public transport option to take or whatever like that. So research, lots of research. Yeah. Mm. And obviously that provides like control over your life, right? Mm. And the decisions that you make. Yeah. So it provides sort of like that sense of security. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Sometimes I wonder, though, do you reckon like these types of, decision-making process somewhat hinders us from being, say, spontaneous? I think there's room for both to coexist. Admittedly, um, I don't know. I don't feel like I'm losing out on spontaneity because of it. I think um, I've somehow managed to hit a balance where I'm sufficiently structured in my life without being overly rigid. So like I'm happy for plans to change at the last minute because something has come up. You know, there is an element to predictability to unpredictability in any circumstance. Yeah. And we have to be okay with that. Like nothing's ever going to my entire life can't be scripted. Yeah. But for the things that I can control, like knowing what route on public transport to take or what they serve on the menu on a regular day, that helps me to kind of like reduce the amount of decisions I have to make on the spot. Um, so that if something unpredictable does come up, I only have to deal with that one thing because everything else was kind of taken care of initially. Mm. Okay. Mm. Makes sense. And uh, once again, very elaborated response. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> perfect delivery, 10 out of 10. Um, and and as, I, as I'm just mindful of time as well, um, I'm just curious, is there something, like a takeaway, that you would like to provide to the listeners before we wrap it up um nothing in particular i guess um to anyone out there who wants to um invite me to podcasts (laughs) i guess this is a very good uh example of how i can talk a lot in a very short span of time so um remember to always let me know what the budgets on your time are (laughs) and then i'll try to like control myself accordingly no 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 no. (laughs) Uh, okay a full disclosure uh, the only reason why I say I'm mindful of time because I have a plan to record a second episode with you. Mm. If you're happy with that, 
Yeah, sure. Yeah, because mm. uh, I, I guess I have another sort of like topic in mind Ooh. that I'd like to talk to you about. Yeah, cool. And uh, I think like, yeah, let's not roger this episode too much. Mm. Hey, for context, how do I explain what's roger? Oh man, I would say fruit salad, but Asian. Okay. I don't know. Asian if I, if I had salad. to explain it in um, one sentence or less, I'd say fruit salad, but Asian. With like shrimp paste. Shrimp paste or like lots of sugar, really. Like lots of sugar and molasses and whatever else. Mm. Mm. Actually, you know what? I don't feel like wrapping up the episode. <laughs> <laughs> talk more about Rojak. <laughs> <laughs> the moment we talk about food, what's your like top three Malaysian food? Uh, well, classic nasi lemak with ayam goreng. Mm. Ayam goreng rempah. You just which, have to have that. Which uh, part? Uh, of the ayam goreng? Yeah. Always go with the thigh, man. The okay. thigh is the best. Thigh with the drumstick or just the thigh alone? Either. Okay. As long as you get the thigh. Because if you think about it, dada is too dry half the time. Yeah. But then wings and drumsticks have too little meat. So the perfect in-between is yeah. actually the thigh. Fair enough. Mm. Okay. What about the second one? Oh, this one's pretty hard, actually. Like, I'm, I might just go, like, Satu Malaysia and pick one from each of the main ethnic group cuisines yeah which is malay uh indian and chinese yeah for those listening that's right yeah so from the malay side i've already picked nasi lemak i am going rumpah which is um coconut rice yes uh directly translated nasi lemak is fat rice but yeah. that's fat from coconut milk yeah mm. with like uh sambal which is uh shrimp paste chili shrimp paste i don't know man yeah right? sounds yeah, about right okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Served with like typically fried anchovies and peanuts and slices of cucumber. Yeah. And then if you really want like a lovely piece of chicken with that, I highly recommend that. Um, yeah. So that's what I'd pick from the Malay cuisine side. If I had to pick from Malaysian Indian cuisine, I guess I'd go really... Um, simple to be honest and go with a nice roti telur which is directly translated to egg bread i'm sure many of you have heard the term roti these days so it's kind of like a tossed flatbread of sorts yeah. and then you just crack an egg in it and it's delicious um having that with some what we call banjir which is flood flooding the thing with curry so dal curry and chicken curry delicious okay very specific yeah it? i mean i love banjir roti it's the best okay um, so that's Indian. And then if I had to pick a favorite Chinese food, I don't know if I had like, it's going to be, oh, it's actually really hard because I kind of really love a lot of different kinds of Chinese food, depending on what I feel like eating, but I might go with kaifan, uh, chicken rice, mm. just like. Just something nostalgic about it. Roasted chicken or the white chicken? Roasted. 100% okay. roasted. Yeah. <laughs> um, not to say that the white steamed chicken is bad, but roasted chicken all the way for me. Especially if you you add it, you mix it with uh, siu yolk. So yeah. when you get the chicken and siu yolk mix. Roasted pork, yes. Oh, roasted pork. So delicious. Roasted pork belly, right? To be specific? Yes, that's right. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Mm. You get the crunch of that crispy pork belly skin. Good choices. Good choices. And... um. Oh, did you hear that? I think that was my stomach. It could have been my stomach. I don't know. <laughs> Just thinking about food. It's Union Kiosk. <laughs> but uh, I'm also curious, right? Like, what are your top three cuisines? Of all time? Yeah. I, it's a difficult one, I know. 
I, I'm just curious. I genuinely don't think I could answer that. Mm. Like, I love so much food. Uh, if I had to pick... Well, Malaysian would be up there. Mm. And I'm just hoping that I could subsume Malaysian, Chinese, Indian, Malay, Portuguese, whatever else into that one. It's, it's a bit of a chicken, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, it, it's like several cuisines in one. Mm, like, you say Malaysian food and people instantly get, like, you know, this this extensive menu of possible options, but you yeah. can't say the same about Australian food. Yeah. Because when I say Australian food, people just think Vegemite and pavlova. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, yeah, not really, even though there's plenty of like uh, different cultures in Australia. True. But yes, I'd say Malaysian food as one of them. Mm. Um, I think I'd probably go Japanese next. Yeah, probably Japanese next. And then I... It's a toss-up, really. I, I really like a lot of different cuisines but i guess to add some kind of like diversity to it i might say mexican oh yeah do you have a specific like mexican go-to not the restaurant but like the food of choice oh i really like rice so i often go for burrito bowls Fair, yeah Even, oh, burrito bowls yeah burrito bowls um that's probably my go-to but i also really 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 love a good bowl of nachos or enchiladas mm. Okay. Mm. Interesting. My my mouth is like salivating. <laughs> <laughs> it's the good shit, Rin. It's yeah, really good shit. It is, yeah. Don't worry, you can curse on this podcast. Oh, uh, yeah. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't ask. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, okay, yeah. You know what? Final question. Okay. Right? Yeah. I think life is beautiful. Indeed. <laughs> Very um, seamless segue. But, um, yeah. What is your meaning of life? Ooh. You chose this question to end your podcast. <laughs> oh, meaning of life. Yeah, your meaning of life. I don't know. I don't know if I want my life to be described in a single statement, like as far as its meaning goes. But I guess the meaning of life... Now, let's just rephrase that. Life has no meaning unless you feel you lived it fulfilled. Nice. So making decisions that you are happy, comfortable, and proud of. Um, and knowing that those decisions didn't harm anyone around you. Mm. They may not necessarily agree with those decisions. Um, and that's okay because everyone values different things in life. But as long as the decisions you make don't harm others, then that's entirely your prerogative to make. I think that's how I put it. Mm, I love that. <laughs> thank you for your very um, honest and candid answer. Oh, I appreciate it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I guess with that, the floor is all yours. Uh, is there one final takeaway, message, advice, whatever it may be to the listeners out there? Uh, just chill, man. Just <laughs> uh, live your life. Be happy. I don't know. This sounds like a really cheesy ending, but like... Everyone's circumstances are very different, so I don't know one piece of advice that would be useful to anyone because you're not like a very specific audience. Like if this was my students, I'd be like, my main piece of advice for you is to start your assignments early. But um, <laughs> <laughs> this will not apply on the podcast. So yeah, just do the things that make you happy and don't cause harm to others. And there you go. Don't <laughs> cause harm on others. And uh, yeah, with that, everyone, uh, thank you for tuning in. Uh, Mac, it's an absolute pleasure hosting you on this podcast. Um, the first and 100% not going to be the last. So yeah, thank you for your time. 
Most welcome. On. Yeah, everyone, that's Mac. Um, stay high, you know, stay low, <laughs> stay safe. This is Aaron. And this is Mag. Thank you for listening and stay safe. Yes, stay safe. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye.